Hello and welcome to the CDO Magazine interview series. I'm Maria Spona with Arhig. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Sarah Marshall, Director, Data and Information Governance, Legal Compliance Security, BCLC. Welcome, Sarah, to our interview. Hi, Maria. It's great to be here. Uh, I, I prepared a series of questions for you. Uh, I hope it's fine. And uh, I will ask you the first, and it's related to, to the leadership in data analytics. And I would like to know how you describe the profile of a data and analytics leader. Yeah, Maria. Well, I think the profile of a data and analytics leader is really changing and quite rapidly. Ten years ago, I may have not had the opportunity to be a leader in this space as I don't fit the typical uh, data and analytics career path. I started out my career on the business side in the banking industry, um, on the front line, giving out mortgages um, and investment advice to my clients. From there, I worked on some major system implementation projects as a business analyst and then found myself in the IT team as a systems analyst. So really, I didn't come up through the, the typical or traditional data space. Mm -hmm. um, while deep technical expertise in the data space will always be valued, more and more I'm seeing the profile of a data leader become more oriented towards things like excellent communication skills. Um, mm -hmm. The ability to build strong relationships across the enterprise you're in, business acumen, you know, the ability to understand and really drive, understand what's driving um, the business in your company and the outcomes that your colleagues are trying to achieve and the problems that they're facing. Mm -hmm. To that end, the ability to translate between technical data and business folks in your organization and speak each of their respective languages um, uh, funnily enough, I found storytelling and even a bit of marketing has become important because you need to be able to tell the story of how, in my case, taking the time and energy to undertake data governance and data management work is going to benefit your business colleagues, especially in this current business environment where our people are extremely busy and they have a ton on the go. And asking them to take on additional roles like that of maybe a business data steward is a big ask. Uh, but one that we know will ultimately benefit them. Uh, but, you know, you really need to be able to sell it. Uh, <laughs> finally, uh, and this is another one, is passion and energy for this work. Anyone watching this knows that we are at a time when data and analytics is really coming out from the shadows and into the limelight. <laughs> you know, our people are inundated daily with the promises of what data can do. It's going to solve all our problems and you can implement it in 10 minutes flat without lifting a finger. I mean, we as data leaders need to help temper that hype cycle, but also bring our passion and energy to the table when people both on our own teams, but also across business units in the organization inevitably fall into that trough of disillusionment. Uh, the role of the data leader at this particular time as things are changing and evolving so rapidly. I just think you really need to love what you you do and believe in the promise of where we're headed and luckily I do but it's not for the faint of heart <laughs> yes thank you for your answer I really like what you say and uh, also I think that uh, as you were saying that that you need passion you need motivation to stimulate your clients and re reduce their expectation about what they can really do uh, you yeah. cannot you need also to cope with this amazing revolution that we are living with artificial intelligence and all these yes. new technologies that 
some people they, they want more and other they are really really scared yeah of, yeah exactly like, so we'll put therapist in there too in the program yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with coach yeah coaching yeah coaching yeah um so uh, you you answered already my my question that is if all of this aspect that you just mentioned you learn at the university or by doing i think it's more by doing yeah i mean maria i don't know any university or college that teaches those intangible skills that make a leader a leader regardless of what industry or area of practice you're in um data and analytics included now to be fair uh, it's been a long time since i've been at university so maybe that has changed in the last 20 years uh, I but i doubt it I think my best advice for people, as you sort of mentioned, is to get out from behind the computer screen, get away from your DIMs and your facts and your ETLs, you know, go spend time in the business and be curious, meet people, talk to them, make sure you really understand, as I had said, your company's operations and your colleagues' business objectives and what's holding them back from achieving them. If possible, spend some time in non-data related roles because it will always serve you to ensure that you're well-rounded in addition to being specialized in data and analytics and especially as you move into leadership roles. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with with you and and there is a point that I would like to to know what you think about about the it's uh, about the importance of uh, data literacy. Mm, in if yeah. you see as a critical thing to to improve the business or or just I think yeah a data literacy is so important if the people that we're serving up our reports and dashboards to can't read work with <laughs> interpret communicate and my favorite argue with the data we're presenting them then what are we even doing right all of our work is for naught And I know how hard data professionals in my organization, yours, in this whole industry are working. They are working so hard right now. And it would be tragic for all of us to be expending all of this effort to get the data into the hands of our colleagues and then for them not to be able to derive any meaningful insights from it. You know, the way that we as a workforce and as a society have become technologically literate over the past 20 to 30 years, so too do we now all need to become data literate. When I started working, if I had one little error message on my computer, I'd have to call up the help desk and get help. Fast <laughs> forward to now, my granny can call me up on FaceTime without a second thought. Yeah. That transition that we've all undergone with technology now needs to happen with data. And I'm extremely passionate about and proud to be part of enabling that transition for my organization. So you are helping implementing a policy on data literacy in your organization? Yeah, we're, um, we're building out a data literacy program. And one of the key important things about that is everyone thinks, oh, it's training, it's training, it's training. And there is training and there is courses that will need to be developed and specialized by the various roles of people, whether you're a data expert or you're sort of a day-to-day -day person who might not touch data all that much, but everyone has a role to play. Everyone needs to become data literate. I think not only in our professional lives, but also in our personal lives, right? With what's happening with our data out there as consumers of other um, businesses, companies, corporations. But I think in addition to those courses, there's going to be a large component of on-the-job learning, right? Where you take on a role as a business data steward and you start 
doing the data management task, then you become data literate through doing, not just through coursework. I think it's important not only to learn in courses, but to practice, to implement what you are exactly. learning in your daily daily life. And, and I agree with you on not only in our work, but in our private life as well. Uh, our privacy is critical. Our data, is, we don't know where, where they are. And that yeah. also takes us to all these cybersecurity issues um, that are extremely relevant. And many people is not aware. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, you were saying the importance of having uh, all the different stakeholders in an organization aware of uh, the data on be data literate. Um, what do you think about having the company strategy coupled with the data management one? Do you think they should? No? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's absolutely critical, I would say. Um, and I should mention that like this alignment, making sure your sort of corporate strategy and your data and analytics strategy are aligned is not just a one-time thing where you take the two documents and you ensure that you can identify the linkages between them at a point in time. Um, at my organization, the British Columbia Lottery Corporation, BCLC, we undertook a refresh of both our corporate strategy and our enterprise data strategy concurrently. Because we know that the ability to optimize and leverage data is a key pillar in realizing our strategic vision and developing them at the same time really ensured that they were woven together. So this occurred um, over this past winter and spring into the early summer. And one of the key tenants that was explicitly stated in and underpins that enterprise data strategy is that data is a business asset, not a technology asset. It is a business asset. And as such, uh, we had key business stakeholders co-author the data strategy with us for the first time in our organization. Um, they served as the subject matter experts in terms of translating those strategic business objectives uh, from the corporate strategy into the data and analytics needs that they require to execute on their objectives. Mm -hmm. So from there, we worked with them to develop a set of what we are calling business-driven data priorities. Mm -hmm. And those combined with some key data culture shifts that comprise our data vision, those are our marching orders on the data side in terms of de developing this data strategy. So in that way, uh, the enterprise data strategy was informed by the corporate strategy from its inception. And the end result, as I said, is that they're inextricably linked. Um, yeah, I, I just like, I can't. These are the kind of, of, of meetings that you would like to be a flight, to be there and yeah. see how they communicate. Yeah, it's exactly. It's, I, I can't imagine the, the challenge of going from the business strategy to the data and make the people talk to each other and understand each other and build a product together. Exactly. And Maria, like in our organization and hopefully in yours, gone are the days when a data strategy is developed in a vacuum in the IT department, right? And it, that it's exclusively focused on data platforms or modernizing data warehousing or data pipelines. In fact, this new data strategy that we've come out with is far more weighted towards the non-technical elements of data and analytics. 
Uh, building out our cloud data platform and migrating the data from on-prem into the cloud, that was already well underway when we began authoring the strategy. What was not underway was a deliberate push towards defining and building out a data culture where data is recognized and managed as the strategic enterprise asset it is and all of the key non-technical components that come with that, um, such as like data ethics, data literacy, organizational change management for the whole organization, uh, data yeah, those kinds of things, data roles and responsibilities and accountabilities across the enterprise, uh, giving those formal roles and responsibilities to business stakeholders and upskilling them in all things data. Really, the whole point of this one is to bring data to the masses and help everyone in the organization, even if they don't have the word data in their title, understand that they too have a role to play as data citizens, which is a term that we've borrowed from our good friends at Calibra. No, that's super cool. And uh, I think that yeah. having this data-driven decision-making process and organization, it helps to achieve the goals in a more in a sustainable in a more sustainable way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is going to be a fun one to implement now, right? Like no, this is I the can. next generation kind of about the technical stuff in hand. I mean, it is rapidly changing, as we said before. There is work to be done, there is migration to be done. But this is really the fun part where we as data professionals get to go out into the business and start to bring them into our world and cross-pollinate more. And um, I'm really excited about that. Well, I can tell and I'm glad that you are going through this fantastic experience. And I hope that people that watch this interview can learn uh, from Mm -hmm. you because you are communicating so many key points that it, it helps to understand the whole process and where you started and when you want to go mm-hmm. and what for the future. So it's yeah. fantastic. Thank you for, for sharing that. And uh, regarding this, you, you mentioned some of the steps. And uh, do you think that with your new policy, your new strate- strategy, uh, it's possible to build easily a roadmap to implement the different strategic goals? I think, uh, yeah, it's uh, easy to build the roadmap. We'll talk about implementation. That's another thing. (laughs) So once we had our, we had two key components defined from the outset, which we did with our business stakeholders. We defined our desired target data culture. And then we developed those business-driven data priorities that I had mentioned. And once we had those established, that was our vision. That's our sort of target, what we're working towards. From there, we, the data folks, went away and we defined the data capabilities and the target operating model that we would need in order to build that data culture and deliver on those business data priorities. From there, we broke the work to stand up the operating model and either establish or mature those. There were 31 data capabilities that we identified. We uh, grouped those into 16 initiatives, 16 data initiatives in our strategy. And then we plotted them onto a three-year implementation roadmap. And um, we just got our approval to get cracking on that a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, our next three years are going to be really exciting. And we're sort of focused and, uh, I don't know, put in the right direction and looking forward to executing and delivering now. I think that it will be a nice case study to read in the future. Now, 
write and prepare all the concept that I think it's fantastic. And then we will see in the future how all it goes or went. Yeah. And it, I think that the passion that you transmit, it's fantastic. It's stimulating. It's like, let this, may I join your team? It's like, it, it's super. And uh, we need more in the data community of these personalities like yours. I think that they are highly stimulating and break this silo with the IT data people, like they are yeah. more nervy and the business people doing something different. I think you you are bridging that gap and it's fantastic. That's what I hope. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> Yeah, love you are. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and finally, my last question is about, because we mentioned the strategy, we mentioned data literacy, all the priorities. Uh, how do you see this in a context of a data governance framework to manage risk? And if mm -hmm. you have a role to, if you identify a role to play in the quality management. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, as a data governance leader specifically, whose mandate is to develop and implement a data governance practice at my organization, I'm obviously a bit biased. Um, and I think it's extremely important. Having said that, even prior to me arriving at uh, my company, BCLC, about three and a half years ago, data-related risks were being handled. However, it was more at a grassroots, ad hoc, informal, inconsistent manner. Data governance uh, provides that much-needed structure to the process, right? Visibility, accountability, decision-making, and some assurance that our defensive risk mitigation side of our data practice is being balanced with the offensive and strategic uh, aspirations of our, of our business. Uh, data governance provides a mechanism by which those often competing objectives can be taken into consideration and weighted against each other to come to the right decision for our organization. Uh, in regards to data quality, of course, it's a very important component uh, to managing data risk. Obviously, there's a huge cost to running your operations with poor data, but also beyond just the day-to-day -day operations, there's the insights and analytics component, whereby people throughout our company are making critical tactical and strategic decisions based on the reporting and analytics and data they're receiving. We're pretty fortunate here at BCLC to have a very high proportion of long-standing employees who have deep knowledge and expertise in our industry and in our operations. So they often intuitively know and can catch when the numbers are off and don't look right. And thus, it, they're quite unlikely to blindly make decisions based on what some report is telling them if, they, if it doesn't look right. Mm -hmm. um, but still, having a handle on data quality is absolutely critical to several aspects of our business, including regulatory reporting, and especially as we start to move towards more automated decision-making yeah. technologies where it may not have um, the human eyes on it. Yeah, it's, it's like going to the 60s when the people start to work with uh, databases and they said, mm, why we get these funny results? Yeah. Data quality emerged, and now because of a different process, we are getting the same yeah. situation. So, well, great. So thank you, Sarah. It was a pleasure to meeting you and to share that you shared your knowledge with me. It's fantastic and with the audience. So thank you, Sarah, for joining me today. Please visit cdomagazine.tech for additional interviews. Thanks, Maria. Great talking to you. Thank you.